Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, May 12th. What to do about this housing market? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego is suing more than 20 chemical companies for allegedly manufacturing and concealing the toxic nature of firefighting foams. The city's attorney's office filed the lawsuit on Wednesday. PFAs have been found in San Diego area drinking water supplies, stormwater, wastewater, and other natural resources. The chemicals have been linked to some cancers, reproductive issues, developmental delays in children, and damage and immune systems. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria and Tijuana Mayor Montserrat Caballero are calling for more cross-border collaboration in addressing long-border wait times, cross-border pollution, and other binational issues. Gloria was in Tijuana on Wednesday, where the two mayors signed a memorandum of understanding that aims to strengthen ties between the cities. Possible areas of collaboration include environmental protection, municipal and regional planning, economic development, emergency services, and immigrant affairs. San Diego County is seeing a late-season surge of the flu. That's according to county public health officials who are now reminding people to get their flu shots. Last week, 189 lab-confirmed flu cases were reported in the region. That far exceeds the seven cases that were reported during the same week last year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. The cost of homes in San Diego is the highest it's ever been, and one national home tracker has named San Diego the least affordable housing market in the country. How did things get so tough? And how are people trying to cope? KPBS reporter Thomas Fudge has the story. In North Park, Jake Huras has an apartment that costs $2,100 a month. It's one bedroom, one bath, and 650 square feet that he shares with his girlfriend. He was just forced out of another apartment in Normal Heights, and his new place is smaller and more expensive. About $100 more, we lost our parking space, we lost a bedroom and a bathroom, 100 square feet but it was like the only place that kind of fit it, the uh, criteria we needed. To make ends meet, he's had to increase the debt on his credit card and cancel his health insurance. Jake's story is typical of a San Diego market where rents have increased 19% over the past year, according to apartmentlist.com. Jan Neff Sinclair rents an apartment for $2,800 a month in Carlsbad. Like Hura, she was recently forced out of another apartment when the building was sold. She can pay for her new place on her disability income thanks to her roommate's Section 8 voucher, but it's hard to know how long that'll last. It's affordable now. If they raise the rent again in October, it probably won't be unless Social Security goes up a lot or the housing voucher goes up a lot. As rents surge upwards, mortgages are doing the same. 
The San Diego Association of Realtors reports the median price for a detached home in San Diego was $1 million in April. Who can afford a million-dollar home? San Diego realtor Stephanie Lloyd says a lot of her dual-income clients simply don't have the money that's required. If you're buying a million-dollar home, typically what I'm seeing is income, either singular or combined, um, probably around $200,000, and then with a 20% down payment to go along with that. A survey by the Texas home buying website OJO has called San Diego the least affordable metro area in the U.S. Political pressures and a dwindling supply of buildable land have long prevented San Diego from keeping up with the demand for new housing. That's according to Alan Jin, an economics professor at the University of San Diego. Jin says today's rising home prices are fueling speculation as investors may cash offers for homes in hopes of selling them for a profit. And something else has happened following the COVID pandemic. Jin calls it the pandemic piggy bank. During the pandemic, a lot of people were able to keep uh, working. They they were still drawing in a lot of income, but uh, they didn't have anywhere to spend it. So people built up a reserve of cash. Once the pandemic uh, ended uh, or or once things started opening up again, people took that money and uh, have gone out and spent it in the economy. And one place that they've, they've put that money is into the housing market. What's happening in our region is part of a bigger trend. Chris Alviati, an economist with ApartmentList.com, says rents rose 16% nationwide in the past 12 months. That's just three percentage points less than in San Diego. In our region, high housing demand isn't going away. Salviati says San Diego is a sticky market. Despite high home prices, people still don't want to leave, and lots of people are still trying to move here. The folks that are searching uh, for apartments in San Diego, about 40% of them are searching from outside the metro. And so the flow of folks coming from outside of the metro really kind of outweighing the, the flow of folks looking to leave the metro. Is there a way to mitigate San Diego's housing shortage? Marco Lamandri says there is. He is the president of New City America, which creates urban development districts. I caught up with LaMandry on Adams Avenue in Kensington. He says San Diego has plenty of buildable land. You just have to knock down the obsolete buildings that are sitting on it. I think that what we did is we overbuilt in the United States in the 20th century. And today the result is lots of retail and office buildings that have lost their value and could make way for housing. We're here on Adams Avenue and you're looking up and down, you see a lot of one-story, non-historic buildings. And uh, the example I'll give you is the old DeMille's restaurant that was there for years. 15,000 square foot lot, if I'm not mistaken. They just sold that uh, and they're going to be, I think, well over 100 apartments built there. LeMandry says if the housing market is going to meet the demand, those kinds of projects need to move ahead and developers will have to build up. That means dense, multi-story housing is going to be in San Diego's future, and we had better get used to it. For now, San Diegans are doing their best to afford whatever they can. Jake Huris works in construction. He says he's worked on remodels of people's homes, and he wonders where they find the money to do it. You know, people who have, you know, plenty of money to be able to, like, do these remodels and everything and stuff. And it's just like, you know, I feel like I'm just a hardworking guy. I feel like I have an uncanny work ethic. Here I am, you know, pushing 50 hours a week, and it's like I can barely scrape by. Rising interest rates may lead to a cooling housing market. But for now, just scraping by will remain a reality for a lot of people. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News.
The state of California has picked a partner to help redevelop two blocks of property in downtown San Diego. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has more. The state chose the Michaels Organization, a large-scale developer based in New Jersey that manages more than 60,000 homes across 35 states. It's still unclear exactly what they'll build on the three acres of state-owned land, but it will include both affordable and market-rate housing, plus commercial and retail space. Stephen Russell of the nonprofit San Diego Housing Federation says he'll be watching out for the details. The number of affordable housing units uh, is going to be absolutely critical. The depth of affordability will be critical. Uh, and then what plans they have for resident services, the quality of services that they're proposing to provide. The state's open call for ideas on the property left open the possibility of leasing it out for free to enable even more affordable housing to get built. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. COVID-19 cases seem to be on the rise again, both across the United States and here in San Diego County. In response to the nationwide uptick, the Biden administration is pushing for a new round of congressional funding to prepare for an upcoming wave of the virus that, they say, could infect 100 million Americans by fall. Dr. Eric Topol is the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke with with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. Okay, so first, what do you make of this prediction from the Biden administration? Well, it sounds pretty grim that we could face 100 million more people getting an infection. But when you think that we had about 200 million had an infection in the span of 10 weeks with Omicron, it isn't far-fetched. It's basically indexed to a whole new variant beyond what we're seeing currently. And the possibilities for that are numerous. What do people need to be doing to avoid infection at this stage of the pandemic? The last thing we need is the attitude that it's over and that we're immune from getting COVID when we're not. So if you haven't had a booster, you better get one. It's really important. And if you've already had the third shot, but you're over 50 years old and you're at least four months past that third shot, think about getting a fourth shot now, because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a substantial increase in the cases from where we stand right now. Beyond that, you know, the use of masks is still important, particularly N95s or KN95s. I just took a trip this past week and I wore a a KN95 throughout the trip, multiple hours on a plane. And I was one of the rare people that wore one. And that's really a shame that we've had this letdown of the things that help prevent a hyper transmissible version of the virus. We just can't have this fatalistic approach that we're going to get infected because there's an unpredictable feature. You could get long COVID. And if your immune system doesn't kick in well enough, you could get pretty darn sick. So this is not the time to uh, think that we're in such great shape and that we don't face more trouble from COVID as we go forward. How are cases in San Diego faring now that we are three weeks past the end of mandatory mask mandates? I mean, are we seeing the increase uh, that many anticipated with eased restrictions? Well, actually, we're doing pretty well at the moment. So we get lulled into this complacency, right? The problem is we had BA2, which turns out the the variant that before that, the Omicron original BA1 that started right at the end of November and really kicked in in December, mostly in January here, there was cross immunity. So with BA2, the people who had the recent Omicron BA1, they were basically holding up well. The problem is this new one, this subvariant, 
people don't have cross immunity with BA1. So we are going to see more and more cases and people getting sick, not just having a positive test in the weeks ahead because of the lack of this cross immunity, even though it's in the Omicron family of variants. Does this mean we'll have to fine tune vaccines or come out with a new one altogether? Well, that's another question because the vaccine that's in the works right now is this Omicron BA1 vaccine. But because we've already are now seeing this new variant, which doesn't cross react well with BA1, by the time that that booster Omicron vaccine comes becomes available, if it does in July, we're in the midst of a variant that has a, a minimal overlap for our immune system. It just is evolving much faster, this virus, and it's causing trouble for keeping up with it with the vaccine when we're trying to make it highly specific to a variant which is changing. So uh, that's why we need better medications. We need nasal vaccines, and we need a pan-beta coronavirus vaccine that doesn't have this vaccine-specific reliance. And one for children, right? And one for children. You know, perhaps the vast majority of children have now had an Omicron infection or something before that. But as mentioned, that's not enough because Omicron alone in children is a very narrow, they haven't been vaccinated. It's very narrow immunity that's rendered by it. So yes, a vaccine that was a pan cervical virus vaccine for everybody would be what we want. Uh, And we don't have it. We don't even have prospects for it yet. And we have basically a national pullback from funding for the things that we need right now. This is not the time for us to let down. And that was Dr. Eric Topol speaking with Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. A nationwide baby formula shortage driven by supply chain issues and recalls is leaving some grocery store aisles completely empty and it's left parents scrambling. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim checked in on how the shortage is impacting San Diegans. Megan Lenz's three-month-old daughter Stephanie has been struggling to put on weight and keep food down. So we finally found Nutramagen hypoallergenic is the only one that she can use. But now with the nationwide shortage of formula, she can't find it in stores. And when she can, the price per can has shot up $5. I'm just, the shortage is scary if you can't find food for your baby. So Lenz, who lives in Santee, turned to Facebook. People from across the country helped her get the formula her baby needs. Because of that post, I have stocked up about a month, maybe, maybe five weeks worth. But after that, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. That anxiety is something Casey Castillo, the CEO of the San Diego Food Bank, is hearing from the families that rely on them for formula, diapers, and food. This is adding an additional stressor on these families that are struggling. On Tuesday, the last shipment of formula left the food bank. We've never seen where we've been completely out a baby formula at both locations. The FDA says it's working to boost domestic production and import more formula. Christina Kim, KPBS News. Coming up, a new center for the arts in Barrio Logan. We'll have more on that next, just after the break.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Mario Logan has a new Center for the Arts. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez says it'll promote learning and provide security for children who need it the most. The Crisella Center for the Arts will provide new opportunities for students at the Monarch School in Barrio Logan. The school serves students experiencing homelessness and is just a couple of blocks away from the new 6,000-square-foot center with a dance studio, theater, and art gallery. 12-year-old Yadetsi is a student who goes by Max, the artist name she gave herself. Sometimes I do my paintings crying because I feel so, I want to tell somebody but I can't and this is my only way to help me to express myself and be like, this is what I'm feeling. And I feel way better. The Chrysalis Center will also be available for use to local arts organizations. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The San Diego Opera had eagerly anticipated Aging Magician on its schedule in March of 2020, but it had to cancel the production because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now it presents the West Coast premiere of this unique hybrid opera as part of its Detour series. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando has this review. Aging Magician is a multimedia operatic work that blends music, singing, video projection, and shadow puppetry to tell the story of a clockmaker named Harold who's approaching the end of his life. Director Julian Crouch says Harold distracts himself by writing a story. He's not quite sure what it is, but he's writing a story about a magician passing on his secrets to the next generation. He has this chorus that is a little bit like his inner voice. Part opera, part theater, part concert, part spectacle. Crouch cites instrument designer Mark Stewart for contributing to the visual spectacle of the show. These musical instruments are often very sculptural. So we kind of make a musical interpretation, a kind of Coney Island, which is also a giant musical instrument that the entire chorus play. San Diego Opera's Aging Magician will have only three performances at the Balboa Theater this Friday and Saturday. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.